You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Take your Bibles, please, to Revelation chapter 3. We're in our series uh, in Revelation, and we are tonight, we're going to start the letter to the last of the seven churches in Asia Minor. We've been through all six, verse six. Tonight is the last church. And you know, I don't know how you are, but sometimes we like to save the best for last. Uh, But that's not what happened in Revelation. The church at Laodicea that we'll look at tonight was not the best church, but we see to this church, God had a very very serious and a very sobering message uh, to them. Notice with me, if you would, Revelation chapter 3, and we'll begin reading in verse number 14. The Bible says, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither, what's that word? Cold, nor what? Hot. God says, I know your works, and I know that you are neither cold nor hot. Well, I thought you had to be one or the other. You know, you're, you're in or out, or you're hot or cold. No, no, no. God says you're neither one of those. But he says in verse number 15, I would, or I wish, or I would desire that you were either cold or hot. Verse 16, so then because thou art, what's the word? Lukewarm. And neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Verse 17, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee, verse 18, to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. Verse 19, as many as I love, Jesus says, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and what? And knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Lord, I pray you'd speak to us as we look at your precious word. Uh, We know that this was a letter that was written to a church almost 2,000 years ago, but this is a letter that is 100% applicable and practical and powerful for the Victory Baptist Church in 2022. And I pray that we would heed the message. I pray that we would receive it. I pray that we would examine our hearts, examine our lives. I pray that we would take our spiritual temperature tonight. And I pray that we would be what you would have us to be. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. 
Laodicea was a city in Asia Minor that was known for their wealth. It was a place that if you lived, you probably were doing pretty well, or at least you had the opportunity to do well. The economy was good. Laodicea was a city that was known for a special salve that they had developed. It's interesting how Jesus takes some of the things that they would have been familiar with and he says, you need a different kind of salve. You don't need something for your physical eyesight, but you definitely need something for your spiritual vision. Laodicea was a place where they had hot springs located nearby. They also had in that vicinity, they had a place where they could get some, some pure cold water that was available as well. That's where, uh-oh, everybody okay? Did we lose anybody? We don't need to call any paramedics. All right, good, everybody's all right. Normally, people fall asleep after I get into the message a few minutes, but that was a little early. It kind of surprised me. But the, uh, the, the, the cold and the hot water, Jesus says, I would that you were cold or hot. But Jesus says, you're neither one. And because of that, Jesus comes down very hard on this church. He says, because you are lukewarm. This helped the people to understand the significance of being cold or hot. Let's look at this uh, passage in verse number 14, and let's see how Jesus introduces himself in Revelation 3 and verse number 14. Jesus calls himself the Amen God. Now, this, I'm, gonna, I'm trying not to get ahead of myself because on Sunday mornings, we're going through the book of Nehemiah, and we get to Nehemiah chapter 8, and we get to the part where the word of God was read. And after the word of God was read, the people responded. And guess how they responded? What do you think they said after they heard the Bible? They said, amen. That's why it's a good thing in church when people say, amen. It's a good thing when people respond. They say, well, I don't like to say amen. Well, you don't have to like to say amen. I'm just telling you what the Bible says is that when the people heard the word of God, they responded by saying amen. What does amen mean? It means this is true. It means this is right. This is, this is exactly the way it is. And I want to tell you, Jesus calls himself the amen. Uh, turn with me, if you would, to the book of Isaiah. I want you to see something in Isaiah 65 in the Old Testament. Here we find uh, one of the names of God in Isaiah 65 and verse number 16. This was not new in Revelation chapter 3, but this was a reference to the Old Testament when Jesus introduced himself. Isaiah 65, and notice verse number 16 that he who hath blessed himself in the earth shall bless himself in the God of truth. That word truth in Isaiah 65 is the word amen. Our God is the amen God. He is the God who is true. He is the God that is faithful. He is the God that is right. Verse number 16, and he that sweareth in the earth shall swear by the God of truth truth, the amen God. Aren't you so glad that we serve a God who is truth? You don't have to wonder if what you're reading in the Bible is true or not. If God said it, it's true. If man said it, it may or may not be true. 
But we know that everything that our God says, everything that the word of God says, it is true. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the truth. Jesus speaks the truth. He reveals the truth. He is the truth. And here we see Jesus introduces himself as the amen. He is the truth. Did you know there are people today, and there have always been people like this, but there are some people that can't handle the truth. (laughs) Have you ever tried talking to somebody like that? You realize very quickly, conversation's not going very far because some people do not want to hear the truth. I guess they're uh, uh, blissfully ignorant. I don't know what you want to call it, but we have the truth of the word of God. And it is our responsibility that we line up with what thus saith the Lord. It is our responsibility to be honest with God and then let God be honest with us. Let me ask you this. Have you ever in your life, have you ever been wrong? Have you ever in your life made a mistake? Well, if it took you very long to come up with that answer, I'm a little scared just at that alone, okay? Because we know the answer. But I want to tell you this, you and I, we all make mistakes. We all, uh, we all have errors. We all have times in our life where we have done something that is not right. That's why we need to get under the word of God because this book right here is the truth. And boy, I tell you, we need the truth in our lives and we need the truth in our homes and we need the truth in our society more than we have ever needed it before because there is a famine for truth. Bible says in the Old Testament that God's people, they were destroyed. You know why? Because there was a lack of knowledge of the truth. You know, we're hearing a lot of information. How many of you know we live in the information age, right? Boy, it seems like everywhere you turn around, and if you want information, just Google it. Well, here's the problem. Google's not always right. Uh, I won't have you raise your hand on this, but have you ever read an article and you're thinking, this is unbelievable. And then you find out later, yes, you're right, it is unbelievable. It's not even true. But boy, it sure sounded good. And it really was sensational. And maybe you wanted to believe it so much. Well, just because you see it on the internet or just because you see it printed in the paper doesn't mean it's true. But I'm glad that the Bible is true. We have the truth of the word of God. Notice with me in verse number 14, Jesus says that he is the amen He is the faithful and true witness. And then it says this, he is the beginning of the creation of God. Now, some cults have taken this and and twisted this. And by the way, that's what all cults do. They take a part of the scripture and they'll twist it to make it say what they want it to say. Some have said, well, Jesus was the first person that was created because this says he is the beginning of the creation. Well, verse number 14 is not saying that Jesus was the first one created. It's saying that Jesus Christ is the source of creation. Turn with me, if you would, to John chapter 1. This will shed some light on Revelation 3. John chapter 1. In the beginning, verse number 1, was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made, what's the word? By him and without him was not anything made that was made. So Jesus Christ is not the first created being. Oh, no, no. He was the one that was doing the creating. 
Jesus Christ is the source. He is the origin. He is the power of creation. And I'm thankful for the word of God that tells us that Jesus Christ is not only the son of God, but he is God the son. He is the one who was there at creation. Hallelujah for Jesus. Notice with me, if you would, verse number 15. We see in this outline of Revelation 3, verses 14 through 22, number one, we see the deeds of this church. The deeds of this church. Now, we read the list, and as we, we, we read the list, and as we read the, 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 the characteristics of this church, I didn't see anything that really sounded terrible. I didn't see where these people were worshiping Satan. I didn't see where these people were committing adultery. I didn't see where these people had idols that they had set up. I didn't see where they were doing a lot of that stuff. But can I tell you, Jesus says that their deeds made him sick. When Jesus says that he wanted to spew them out of his mouth, literally, that word spew is the idea to vomit. Now, I'll tell you, there are some things there are some things that I don't like to eat. I don't prefer to eat, but they don't make me sick. There are some things that I could take or leave. But Jesus says when he saw the deeds of the church at Laodicea, Jesus said, it makes me want to hurl. It makes me want to puke. Now, hang on. I don't remember reading anything that was you know, too extreme. So let's see what was it that Jesus said made him sick. It says in verse 15 that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. You see, the problem with the church at Laodicea is that they were not hot and they were not cold. They were right in the middle. They were lukewarm. Now, I've got... I've got some cups here that I, I prepared this afternoon. I One cup at 2 o'clock, 2.30 this afternoon, I guess it was. One cup, cup was filled with ice water. The other cup was filled with water that was steaming. I mean, it was hot. You would not have wanted to stick your finger in it. Now, that was at 2.30, so that's been obviously several hours ago. But I won't have anybody drink this, of course, because it's been up on the pulpit where I've been spitting and doing everything else. But would there be anybody that'd be willing to stick your finger in it and just tell me, tell me about the temperature of the water? Brother Ralph, just so happens I'm right here. Now, now here's what I want to know. You're not going to be able to tell me temperature exactly, and I don't know the temperature exactly. But I'm just curious, does either one, tell me if you feel any ice cubes or tell me if you feel any, any boiling water that's going to burn you? No? No ice cubes? No, no boiling? No? This one's colder than this one. Any ice cubes in there, brother? No ice cubes? Any steam coming off of that one? No. So here's, and by the way, you're exactly right. This one is actually a little colder. And I could tell when I grabbed the cup, there was just a little bit of condensation on the outside from the ice. But that's kind of how we operate in our churches, isn't it? It's like we're maybe not hot, but we're not as cold as somebody else, right? Uh, we're, not, we're not hot. Uh, it's been a long time since anybody accused us of being on fire for God, which by the way is a good thing. <laughs> that's not an insult, that's a compliment. If somebody looks at you and says, wow, 
you are on fire. Boy, why are you so excited? Why are you so passionate about serving God? Here's the Bible word. Why are you so fervent? That's a good thing. But it's probably been a while since somebody's accused us of that. But can I tell you, there ought to be a lot of people that see that and they recognize that there's something in us that is not lukewarm. It's not cold, but it is hot. But here's what we are. We're a little better than the other one. And we like to compare ourselves, don't we? But here's the thing, Brother Ralph, you tested it. Neither one of these is boiling hot. I don't even think you'd say either one's hot. And neither one's ice cold. Oh, well, they're a little cooler than they are hot because of the room temperature. But can I tell you, in the Christian life, we need some Christians that will be hot. We need some Christians that will be on fire. Luke 24 says it like this. The disciples on the road to Emmaus, they walked with Jesus. And when they realized it was Jesus, they said, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us, by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures? You know what caused their hearts to burn? They'd been walking with Jesus. Jesus had been talking to them. Jesus had been opening the scriptures. And I'll tell you why a lot of Christians are not on fire. It's because we're not spending a lot of time with Jesus. We're spending a lot of time on the news and a lot of time on sports and a lot of time on our hobbies, but we're not spending as much time with Jesus. But when we get with Jesus, there's gonna be a fire. There's gonna be a burning. There's gonna be a passion. I'll tell you this. You spend time with Jesus and you're going to want to get to church. Nobody's going to have to drag you to church. You spend time with Jesus, you're going to want to be with God's people. You're going to want to serve God. You're going to want to tell somebody about Jesus. You're going to want to give to a Teen Spectacular or you're going to want to give to a missions program or you're going to want to give to a bus. You're going to want to do something because you've been spending time with Jesus. There'll be a fire. Matthew 24, the Bible says this, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. That's where some Christians are. They're, they're not hot, they're cold. And you know what cold Christians are guilty of? They're guilt, guilty of an abundance of sin. And when you get sin in your life and you get iniquity, I remember Brother uh, Gibson, Brother Maury Gibson was here a few years ago and he talked about this, this idea of iniquity. And he said in the scriptures, I don't remember the exact, exact number of verses, but he said, you'll see that iniquity, in some cases, it refers to not the sins of commission, but the sins of omission. Meaning iniquity and sin is not just that you're doing stuff you shouldn't do, but sin is not doing the stuff that you should do. And can I remind you that that is still sin. Whosoever uh, knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin, the Bible says. And so because of the abundance of iniquity, the love of many shall wax cold. I wonder tonight, does that describe your life? Would somebody look at you and follow you around for a week and, and listen to your conversations and, and watch your activities and see your attitude and, and see where you go and see what you do? Would somebody say, there's a cold Christian right there? I hope not. But then we see the third spiritual temperature, not only those that are hot and those that are cold, but we see the third spiritual temperature is found here in Revelation 3. It's lukewarm. So how does, how does somebody become lukewarm? Well, a lukewarm Christian is one who is indifferent. A lukewarm Christian is one who is complacent. 
A lukewarm Christian is one who can't figure out which side they're on. They're trying to straddle the fence. A cold or hot Christian is someone who is intentional. You see, these cups right here, this afternoon, one was cold, one was ice cold. One was steaming hot. You know why? Because it was on purpose. I went and found some ice cubes to put in one. I went and got a, a, a cup, not the styrofoam cup, but I went and got a coffee mug and I nuked a, a, some water in the microwave for a minute and I poured that thing into the styrofoam cup and I saw the steam coming off and I did it on purpose. It was intentional. That's why one was hot and one was cold. But here's what happens. Lukewarm, it just adapts to the surrounding. Lukewarm is just, I'm, I'm just like everybody else. I just kind of fit in. Uh, what determined the temperature of these two cups? The room. The room temperature. They just eventually just kind of adapted to what the temperature was in this, in this building. But can I tell you, as Christians, we don't need to adapt to the temperature of our surroundings. We need to get with God. We need to get in His Word. And we need to get a fire uh, in our hearts. And we need to get a fire in our lives. And we've got to do it on purpose. You don't have to turn there, but Daniel chapter one and verse number eight, we find the account of Daniel who even though he was in Babylon and even though the king had tried to change his name and change his diet and change his education, Daniel chapter one, verse eight, he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. And if you're gonna be a Christian that has some fire and if you're gonna be a Christian with some zeal and with some passion, it's gonna have to be done on purpose. You're going to have to set aside some time to get with God. You have to set aside some time to get involved and to serve God. You have to set aside some time to be a witness and to, to be a soul winner and to, to be a servant for God. We see, number one, we see the deeds of this church. They were lukewarm. They weren't hot and they weren't cold. Number two, the word is disgust. We've already referred to it. But the disgust is that God said he would spew them out of his mouth. I certainly don't ever want to break the heart of God. I don't ever want to displease God. But I certainly don't want to disgust God. I don't want God to look at my life and say, I wish Jeremy, I wish he would just get serious about serving God. I wish he'd get serious about his prayer life. I wish he'd get serious about his Bible reading. I wish he'd get serious about pastoring a church. I wish he'd get serious about being a husband and being a father. I don't want God to look at me and say, there's a lukewarm guy right there. I want God to see somebody that's got some fire. I want God to see somebody that's got some passion. And friend, that's not just true of pastors. That's true of every born again child of God. This, this letter was not written to the pastor at the church at Laodicea. It was written to the Christians. It was written to every member of that church. And God desires for his people to be on fire, to be hot, and not to be lukewarm. You say, well, it says God wished they were either cold or hot. Well, that's true, it does say that. But I've never met a Christian who said, I want to be cold. I want to be a terrible, wicked, heathen sinner. That's what I want. No, nobody's ever said that. But you're going to have to, on purpose, decide that you're going to be sold out for God. You're going to have to, on purpose, decide you're going to be different from the world. You're going to have to, on purpose, this week, go to work and say, I'm not going to be like everybody else at work. 
I'm going to stand out. And by the way, we ought to stand out. We ought to be out, be different. We ought to come out from among them and be separate. That's the way it ought to be. We are children of God. We are children of the light. And we ought to be different. Number one, we see their deeds. Number two, we see the disgust. Number three, I want you to see the danger. It says in verse number uh, 17, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Here's the danger. The danger is that this church was literally on the precipice of the judgment of God. God just said he was going to spew them out of his mouth. How many of you think God was serious about that when he said it? You think God was serious? I know he was. And they're literally, they're on the edge and they have no clue that they're in trouble. They were in danger. But they said, we don't need anything. We're good. We've got it all figured out. But in reality, they were not good. I think of the story of Samson in the book of Judges. And I've, I've said this before, but I think it's a good reminder for all of us. Samson was an amazing man. He was a judge in Israel. Uh, the strongest man that ever lived. I don't think he looked like the strongest man. I think it was very obvious that it was all of the Spirit of God that gave him his strength. Samson was the strongest man that ever lived. He uh, won great victories over the enemies of Israel and God used him in a mighty way. And the Bible says, and the Spirit of God moved upon Samson. And he saw huge victories through the power of God. But something happened in Samson's life. The Bible says in Judges 16 and verse 20, it says that he wist not means he didn't even realize it. He wist not that the Spirit of the Lord was departed from him. Now, I think sometimes we read that verse and we say, oh, that's terrible that the Spirit of God left him. That is terrible. But I think what's even worse is that he didn't know it. And I, I wonder tonight, I, I'm, I'm talking to you. I'm not talking just to myself, although I've talked to myself about this and God's talked to me about this. I'm not talking to pastors tonight, but I'm talking to church members. I'm talking to Christians. I'm talking to husbands and wives and fathers and mothers. And I'm talking to, uh, to, to Sunday school teachers and choir members and, and grandparents and employers and employees. And, and I'm talking to, to people tonight that, that all of us, uh, we have in common. I hope all of us have in common that we're, we're children of God. We know God and Jesus Christ is our Savior. And I wonder tonight, if it could be said about us that the Spirit of God was departed. Now, I know you don't lose the Holy Spirit. That was Old Testament. The Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. But the Bible does say in the New Testament that you can grieve the Spirit. And it does say that you can quench or you can, you can kind of extinguish or put out the, the Holy Spirit working in your life. But I wonder tonight if there's anybody in this room that maybe you don't have the power of God and you used to have it, and maybe you don't even know it. Sometimes here's what we do, like Samson. We go through the motions, don't we? I've done it before. I've sung the song before. I've taught the lesson before. 
Uh, I've knocked on the door before. I've shared the gospel before. Uh, I've been a, a, a father for all these years. I've been a husband for all these years. I've got it figured out. I don't need anything. When in reality, we're like the church at Laodicea. We said, I'm rich. I'm increased with goods. I have need of nothing. But notice what it says in verse number 17. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. This church was in need of everything. They didn't have anything going for them spiritually. Now on the outside they did. But spiritually they were a mess. And I want to challenge us tonight. We're obviously we didn't get through this, this whole letter to the church at Laodicea, but we got through a portion of it. But I want to challenge you tonight with just this thought. How's your spiritual temperature? If we could come up, and you remember, I don't know if, I don't know if, 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 if you still do it like this. I mean, I know that my wife with our children, she'll take their temperature from time to time. But, you know, you, you stick it in somebody's mouth and you put it under their tongue. And here you go. What's your temperature? Oh, look. Oh, there it is. It's too high. Oh, no. But if we could come around spiritually and we could take your temperature, I wonder what it would say. wonder if it would say cold, a lot of sin, a lot of wickedness, a lot of stuff going on that shouldn't be going on. I wonder if it would say hot, on fire, passionate, sold out for God, or I wonder if it would say lukewarm. Just kind of in the middle. Just kind of going with the flow. Can I tell you what we need? We need some Christians that would have their spiritual temperature taken and that reading to say, here is a Christian. Yes, they've got a ways to go. Yes, they've got a lot of things they're working on, but they are on fire. They have a passion for God. They love God. They love serving God. They love the Bible. They love to pray. They love being what God's called to be. Can I tell you, that's the way all of us ought to be. We ought to be hot, on fire, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.